0: Buenos dias, como están hermanos, ah, that got your attention, we're going to have a Spanish service this morning, como están, several gringos speak Spanish too, huh? this is good, this is good, well, welcome, I'm I'm not, not that I have any right to welcome you, but I welcome you anyway, I, uh, I was so uh, excited about the baptism class, I I can only come every so often to church. I have a good excuse. I travel a lot. Uh, But uh, uh, when I was signing books earlier, a seven-year-old girl, very bright, came up with her mother and said, I'm going to get baptized uh, the next baptism. I said, good for you. The sooner the better, you know. And I hope many of you can take the class. And you know it says in the Bible that when you believe the immediate next thing you're supposed to do is get baptized quickly, not just wait for years. It's a good sign of obedience and seriousness. In the early church, the 3,000 were converted on the day of Pentecost and boom, down they went. Baptized them on the spot, you know. And they didn't even have a Bible in those days, they had the Old Testament, but not the New. So baptism is one way to seal your decision. I, when I was a child, they they christened me, you know, sprinkled me, and then when I was 17, I said, I think baptism should be by immersion. It actually means immersion, you know, in Greek, as you know from the Greek fat wedding, in the Greek language, yeah, uh, yeah, it's two words, huh? And uh, so in the Greek language, it is to baptize means to submerge, and you die with Christ, and you're risen with Christ. Are you leaving already? No, I I know her. I chatted. I thought she said, I'm not going to get baptized. I'm out of here. No, no, she's she's in the Celebrate Recovery group, friends, right? She told me to mention it, so I mentioned it. That's why she paraded to remind me huh. Thank you for that help. And uh, on New York, it's a real blessing. If you can come, I think you'll be blessed. Middle of summer, lots of tourists. If you can swing it, uh, we're not offering to pay, but hey, come on over. And you might be able to counsel. There probably will be so many wanting to be saved that you could be used of God. And uh, in the church here, since the pastor is new, he's only been here, what? Two years, three, who, who's counting? Uh, he I've been here for 53 years, so welcome to our church. It's my first chance to welcome you. Thank you. He welcomed me, so I'm welcoming him in return. But uh, we have a, a, about 10 members of our team, our members here at Cedar Mill. I became a member by marrying into the church. You know, That's one way to do it, and you get told what to do then. And so this is our church. All these years, my wife's uh, far, grandpa was one of the founders. And so it's good to be here. We were baptized, not baptized, but I was commissioned and married, and yeah, I'm stuck here. So here we are. And uh, we have some team members like Kevin, of course, he and brother Keith, and our Andrew, and Stephen, and, and there's a fellow called Tim Innes. Are you here, Tim, this morning by chance? Stand up. I know you love to stand up. Yeah, give him a welcome. Yeah, and his wife, hey, Chandra. Anyway, he is a director of the New York Crusade Festival, and uh, therefore, show your respects when you walk out he 's the man he 's in charge if it 's a success, I get the credit if it 's a failure, he gets his head, and that 's it you know, and uh, it will pull an Isis on him. Uh, but um, anyway, yeah. All right, that was a bit out of order. Uh, I am delighted I'm an elder here. That's just because I'm old. And there's a lot of elders in this church. But uh, uh, we are so grateful to the Lord for the money that's come in, for the remodeling and the children's area. Almost 100% has come in. Let's give the Lord a hand. And yourselves too, but praise the Lord for that. The, this week, uh, Pastor Dan sent out a letter saying that there was a, an overrun of about 70,000, but what 70,000 when we're given 700,000, huh? It's peanuts, and the Lord will help us to get it, and that'll be exciting. And then I saw the thing about the kids that we're gonna be doing. I think the bulletin says $25 will help for each child. I think we can all do it. So, praise God. It's, there's excitement in Cedar Mill in its own style, which I will describe later. Now, uh, let's see, what do I want to do? Okay, I better, we better open up the Bible. That's always a good idea on Sunday morning. Oh, I forgot something. I, I, but open your Bible anyway, don't panic. Uh, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. But I just thought of something I almost forgot, and I have it written down. Uh, there's a, I'm going to be autographing books, famous books that uh, I wrote them myself. And, uh, but I want you to come for one reason. I got a, 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 an unsigned, what is it usually, unsigned, unattributed, anonymous, cowardly message last night on my iPhone. And uh, I've got the message here. I don't really want to go to the FBI to figure out who wrote it, but it's somebody who's here from just the indication that you'll notice in a second. Somebody – oh, I hope I didn't erase it. That would be really the ultimate – oh, no, it's here. Uh, if I go to the FBI it'll cost a lot of money on taxpayers maybe some of you can detect who sent it come and tell me and we'll go after him I think it's a him, it could be a her but this is what it says, listen to this I mean the cowardly of not signing your name I think that's terrible he says, I thought of a few other things you might want to mention tomorrow morning they're listed below one, Pastor Dave's charm number two Pastor Dave's good looks. Uh-huh. Number three, the depth of Pastor Dave's insights. <laughs> number five, it's in writing, I'm not inventing it. Pastor, number five, Pastor Dave's obvious love for God. And finally, Pastor Dave's humility. Now, if you know who wrote it, would you please come and see me at the autograph table? And while you buy your book, let me know and I'll call the cops on him right away. <laughs> now then, let's go to Luke chapter 8 and verse 40 uh, to read the continuing the series that the pastors are doing uh, in the last few weeks. And so this is the, a meeting of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I want to talk this morning about three things that Jesus came to do. And as we read it, I think you will kind of detect that the three can be found in this passage. The first thing is Jesus came to bind the brokenhearted. There are many brokenhearted people in our society, and I'll bet you this morning in the church that some of you are brokenhearted over things that have happened to you, either this week or in the past few weeks and months. Number two, there are people who Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Perhaps some of you are here this morning who feel, I'm lost, man. I'm in confusion. I'm not sure what direction I'm going. I thought I did. One guy told me in between the services, and then things went south, and I'm not sure where I am right now. And then thirdly, Jesus came and died for sins once for all to bring us to God. So as we read, there could be some of you here today who are so broken-hearted you can hardly sit there, and you feel lonely and lost the second thing is he came to seek and to save the lost and some of you may say in your hearts I'm lost and I know it spiritually at least and then thirdly some of you are saying bring me to God bring me to God and that's what Jesus came to do not only to heal the broken hearted not only to uh find those who are lost and who know it and admit it, and then also to bring you to God, to draw you closer to God our Creator. So we're going to read the story in the reading uh, uh, here in verse 40 of two people, actually many more surrounding, who were brokenhearted. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed Him, for they were all expecting Him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the the, the, the people are crowding around you and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. And how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. And she will be healed. When he arrived in the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up her spirit returned and at once she stood up then jesus told them to give her something to eat her parents were astonished and he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened the word of the lord now here are two people and more around them who are broken hearted the one the dad and his family back home obviously they didn't come with him on this trip because their little girl, who was a beautiful 12-year-old little girl, was sick and dying, and they knew it. And then the woman, 12 years, bleeding, and the doctors could do nothing about it. In another gospel, it gives us more details, and it says that she spent everything she had, and they could do nothing for her. She was heartbroken, and, but she had one smart thing, just like Jairus. They knew that Jesus could do something for them. And they came to Jesus. Jairus came to Jesus and said, Come and help me. My daughter, my little girl is dying. And Jesus answered that faith and went walking to the place. And in fact, the little girl was healed. And then you have this woman. She was heartbroken. How embarrassing. How endless. How horrible to have to cover up and hide because something terrible was going in her life. And you know there are people in the world today, there may not be exactly this thing, although it can be, who feel very lonely, who feel very lost, who feel very, very heartbroken. And then there are people who are simply gone astray. And at one time they had a measure of faith and then they lost it. And now they wonder, will God ever take me back? Can I get back to God? And you know, the first, the, when we were talking about New York, it reminded me of a little poem that I brought with me that speaks about today's society, not only New York, but Portland, Cedar Mill, and everything else. It goes like this. I heard it back in Tyler, Texas in the 70s. Lonely voices crying in the city. Lonely voices sounding like a child. Lonely voices come from busy people. Too disturbed to stop a little while. Lonely voices fill my dreams. Lonely voices haunt my memory. Lonely voices looking for the sunrise, Just to find another busy day. Lonely faces all around the city, Men afraid, but too ashamed to pray. Lonely faces do I see. Lonely faces haunt my memory. Lonely eyes, I see them in the subway, burdened by the worries of the day. Men at leisure, but they are so unhappy, tired of foolish roles they try to play. Lonely people, do I see. Lonely people haunt my memory. Abundant life He came to truly give man, but so few His gift of grace receive. Lonely people live in every city, men who face a dark and lonely grave. Lonely faces do I see, lonely voices calling out to me. And you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sees and loves those lonely eyes, those lonely faces, those lonely men and women who are in every city, but they are suffering and they are lonely. Somebody told me in between the services of the drama he's lived through in the last five years. An autistic child that he has to take care of constantly himself while his wife works. A factory that went bankrupt. He lost his house because the factory went bankrupt. He had to dismiss his employees. Boy, if that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what will. And then you have people, uh, we were at, uh, with Kevin and some of the other guys on the team, we were in the East Coast preparing for the New York Festival, not in New York proper, just on the edges of New York, in Jersey actually. And we were in a rally, a big church, and we were jammed with people. And I was in the front row seated beside the senior pastor of the church. And another clergyman got up to raise the offering and so on. And in the middle of his offering, he suddenly said, I hope in this festival... My daughter, my only daughter, comes to Christ. She's living in sin. She's living in the world. She doesn't even call or write. We don't know where she is. and We get to cry, the poor guy. You know, you, have, you may have a broken heart today for various reasons. It could be business. It could be family. Perhaps some of you, your spouse has said to you, get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. Does that break your heart? And what does it do to your kids? And Perhaps you're going through it yourself right now. I remember at a wedding uh, of a guy that I performed the wedding for various reasons, and uh, had two girls from a previous marriage. And uh, Gabby was about eight, and uh, Erica was 11. And I said to the best man, "Look, watch it. When I do the ceremony, these girls are going to fall apart because the you know the, the, the dad was marrying another woman." And sure enough, when I did that part of the ceremony where they tell you you have to do kiss the bride like they never kissed them before, and and uh but when i did that you know suddenly the two little girls just burst out in tears and uh one of them had lots of makeup and you could see the makeup coming down and i looked at the best man and Get over there, you know. He was sort of paralyzed himself, and he stood by the little girl, the two little girls. There are children who are brokenhearted. That's why the story of the 12-year-old girl speaks to you. Children know what's going on. They see what's happening at home, and they feel it if business is is bad. But Jesus came, and it's in the Bible, and it's related to our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father has sent me to to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're broken-hearted today, whether you're a believer or still searching for God, I want to remind you that He came to bind the broken-hearted. The heart of God is broken with the things that break our heart. I have a list that I don't have time to mention to you this morning about the things that break the heart of God. He is broken by the things that break your heart and that break your children's hearts and that break everybody's hearts. God, who made you in your mother's womb, deeply cares about your business, your family, relationships, pain. and How does Jesus then heal the brokenhearted? How does he do it? I remember Matt Redman. Do you remember that name? He's written many of the worship songs we sing in this place. When he was 10 years old, uh, he he came to a a festival just like the New York one, but in London, England. It went on for 15 weeks. And uh, he came as a little boy brought by his mother, who was not a church person, but she brought him. And his dad had died when Matt was seven years old. He didn't know it, but he had committed suicide. They didn't tell him that till he was 17. But he knew his dad had died, and his mother remarried and married a drunkard again. And he beat up on her and abused Matt and so on. Matt today, that day at the, at the mission to London at the stadium, heard about God the Father who breaks, has a broken heart for those who suffer. And I was describing in the sermon about God our Father, what a perfect dad he is, what a loving, what a patient dad. And Matt was only 10, he told us, we've got it on DVD. And he said, when I heard that, he said, that's the kind of father I needed. Not like my dad or my stepdad who beat up on me and abused me, but a dad who really loves me. And as a 10 year old, bang, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now he's married, he's 40 years old this year, he's got two, uh, excuse me, five children, and he's a happy man because God the Father, who had compassion for him, and Jesus who binds up the brokenhearted, came into Matt's life at 10 years of age. Sometimes we think children don't get it, they get it better than we do. Because they have no, I'm shouting, aren't I? I? I'm just excited about the subject. That's what it is. Uh, I'm not angry or anything. Uh, it's that we adults sometimes think, oh, the kids don't get it. We don't get it, because we have all these arguments accumulated through the years at school, university, cynics, hypocrites, and all the rest of them fill our minds with stuff. The little boys and girls, thank God, don't have all that yet. And when they hear about our Savior who heals the brokenhearted, the little ones say, I want him, I want him. That's the kind of father I want and a Savior I want. But how does Jesus actually heal the brokenhearted? Uh, There are many ways, but one, the first one is, By forgiving us and teaching us to forgive those who have sinned against us. We all have a part, usually, in some of the things that break our heart. And God our Father is a gracious and merciful God who forgives us all our sins, even the grossest of sins, if we repent and give our hearts to His Son, Jesus Christ. But the thing He teaches us is, When others have insulted us He tells us in Ephesians You probably remember it As God in Christ Has forgiven you So you also Forgive one another Easier to quote Than to do Some people have shafted us big time I use street language sometimes I hope it doesn't bother you If it does, blame the pastor For setting me up here Uh, But, uh, you know If people have shafted you in a big way The temptation is to say No No I hope he gets it big time. He did me, God, do it to him. You know, that first anger is logical. Injustice, malice, hurtful words that devastate you, stealing your money, destroying your retirement plan, it's bad. We have a right to be angry, but not forever, because otherwise you wreck your own life. God the Father, we've spat in His face. We've insulted him, most of us. We said nasty stuff. Some people say horrendous stuff about God. And yet, if that same person falls on their knees and repents, God says, you're forgiven, buddy, because my son died on the cross for you, and your sins are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he teaches us to forgive. And if you are angry and bitter, come running to Christ today afresh, even if you've been there before, and say, Lord, I've got to get rid of this anger, this malice, this negativeness, this bitterness. It's killing me. And besides, you forgave me, I'll forgive them. Set me free. That's the first thing. And he does bind you, and it brings a liberation. I've told this story before in this church, but most people forget in three weeks. So I'll tell it again. But my wife and I have a friend in Britain whose husband walked out on her and ran off with some girlfriend of his when he was a teenager. And she was mad as hell. I mean, rightly so. And she did stuff that if I had time to tell you, you'd laugh your head off. And we were with her. But she was getting bitter, and it was eating her up. And one Christmas morning, she called up the house, and we thought it was to say, Merry Christmas. Before she said, Merry Christmas, she said, I'm free, I'm free. And I said, what, you got divorced. She said, no, I forgave him, I forgave him. And that was really true. And she's been a free woman since that day. It's been years now. Must be 20. She's a happy woman. The problem is him. He's he's going through it for 25 years, you know. But the woman is free because she forgave him. And God binds the brokenhearted. When in obedience to the scripture, even though the dark side of us says, Get him, Lord. Get him or her the Lord says I, you forgive I forgive you you'll be healed he heals and binds the broken hearted and the wounds are healed when you follow that principle the second way that I have uh, looked at that God uh, uh, binds our broken heartedness is by his presence in us when you remember in the midst of the storms and the troubles Christ lives in me Christ lives in me he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That is the ultimate healing and the ultimate binding that God does. When I remember, so I've been done in, so my baby died, so my business is bankrupt, but Jesus Christ has never left me, He never will leave me, I am His forever, He lives in me, I am His child, I don't understand why some things happen, but I know that he makes no mistakes. And even the worst sins of other people, he turns it for good. He makes even the, the anger of men to, to, to honor him and to achieve his purposes. And one day in heaven we'll understand and we say, Oh, I'm glad that I submitted to his will and that I accepted it. But his presence is what binds the brokenhearted. Some people can never go back on some things. But if you have been broken hearted, remind yourself, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He came into your life whenever it was. When you were 6 or 36 or 66, He lives in you and He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are one with Him. He who is joined to the Lord, never forget it, First Corinthians 6:19 is one spirit with Him one spirit with Him. That's the profoundest way in which He heals our broken hearts. But number three, Jeremiah says, and the Bible says it all over, but Jeremiah puts it in these words, I think it's in chapter 31. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. My mom used to quote that verse over and over. You know, verses from the Bible quoted by a mom or a grandma or a grandpa, can go a long ways all throughout your life. I have loved you with an everlasting love. What's going on in your life, you may not understand. And often we don't, and we should give up trying to understand. Turn it over to him and say, Lord Jesus, you bind my broken heart. You bind my wounds. You love me with an everlasting love. I believe it. I trust you. I rest in you. Number three. Number four. A spirit-filled church is another way that God binds our broken heart and our wounds. And you know, Cedar Mill Bible Church is a spirit-filled church. I've been there for 53 years, as I told you before. Much more than Pastor Dave, who sends anonymous emails. And uh, I can tell you this. I think it was him. Uh, uh, this church is a spirit-filled church. It's not a bouncy church. I mean, this uh, nobody will ever accuse Cedar Mill Bible Church of being a bouncy, bouncy church. When there's worship, there's about three people who go like this and then put it down, you know. And uh, uh, the pastor, I noticed, was saying, we're so proud of you that you represent the church to New York. Nobody said amen. Yeah, that's Cedar Mill. It's not that they're not excited. They just don't show it. You know, we're, we're not a show-offy type at Cedar Mill. Amen? Come on, say something, for goodness' sake! You know, uh, but uh, it's true. Cedar Mill is not known for the the great, you know, uh, you know, go to Foursquare and they all get happy and and all that. But we're happy. We just don't make a noise about it. You know, we dress. You know, you saw how the pastor dressed. Jeans a drag, and his shirt sticking out. Nobody ever told him any better. You know, I mean that's Cedar Mill for you. But nevertheless, if you're sick in this church. People are going to come and visit you. If you need food, there's going to be more food than you even want. If you are going through a tough time, so many show up, you say, oh, for goodness sakes, you know, let's have a few less, you know. Uh, because it's a church that loves. I've seen it. I believe We've been the, the recipients of such a thing. And so it is a church and a good church. You have to get into it. If you sit on the sidelines and say, well, nobody talks to me. Well, go and talk to someone, you know, and befriend someone. I as, At this first service, I was so glad. A guy came to the book table, and he said, my name is Mark. I live on 118th, first time I ever come to church. I'm coming back. And hallelujah. He picked up on it that quiet as we are, we nevertheless, we are spirit-filled, and there's joy, and there's blessing. So that helps a lot, because when you have a need, you know some people you can call and ask them, To pray and they will pray. The women were praying night before last. uh, Yeah, night before last. And apparently it was just a wonderful time. This is the church, and you know, being part of it is part of the healing process. It's the way Jesus Christ actually binds our broken heart by other people who share with us in the spirit through the Word of God. So that is vital, and therefore to be baptized is one way to start your your journey with love in a local congregation. Number five. The promises of God are so powerful, all of them. And the Bible is full of promises. And Jesus Christ binds the brokenhearted. There are promises for every situation under the sun in the Holy Word of God. There's a promise for absolutely every situation. Economic, love, marriage, divorce, death, death of a child. I remember Coach Dungey when his son died, he was 19, he was heartbroken and we were in Orlando for a festival and he was the, uh, whatever, unofficial chairman. And he was listening and that day I was talking about heaven. And I mentioned the death of a baby and of a child. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, when you said that phrase, a brief life is not an incomplete life, it absolutely finally made sense. My boy I felt had died before his time. Who decides what his time is? God our creator. He said, you gotta talk to my wife. So my wife and I talked to his wife. And she began to find peace. I saw the coach sometime later, and he said, she's at peace. She still is pain, but she's at peace. Because even the death of a baby, and our, da- our sons and daughters-in-law, I think every one of them lost a baby in pregnancy, you know, those uh, natural abortions. And so, it's very painful. I remember when Wendy had a, about her third loss, and she called from DC, and she said, Papa, I can't figure out why this happens, you know. And it's true. We don't know why, but God makes no mistakes, and in due time we shall understand. And you got to know the Word of God, and you got to know the promises of God, because otherwise when the troubles come, and in the world you will have tribulations, Jesus warned us. We will have troubles. It wasn't like a surprise. Way ahead, our mom taught me to memorize that verse in Spanish, and I got it in English. In the world you will have troubles, but cheer up, I have overcome the world. And so, when you know the promises of God, they say there are seven thousand promises in the Bible. Get on with it and find them all out. Make a list, underline them in red or green or whatever color makes you look at the passage. The promises of God are glorious. When my father died, I was a—I became a fatherless boy, not by divorce or by you know infidelity or something. He died. He took off. He was only thirty-four years old, and he died of a disease and i have five little sisters and one little brother and i and my mom and when he was alive we had a pretty good life and when he died 3 years later we were in utter poverty to where we owed 10 months of rent and it was a miracle the owner who wasn't even a professing christian let us stay and eventually through the years, the Lord helped us to pay all debts and get on our feet. And now all of us kids serve the Lord in one way or another. You know, uh, but the promises my mom used to teach us when she became a widow at 34 with seven kids, and uh, we would get on our knees. And some days literally all we had was a liter of milk to share between all of us. Other times, not always, but many times, we had one steak and we cut it up in eight pieces, each one to say, well, I ate a little steak last night. Or we'd have a French bread, those old loaves, you know, chop it up in eight pieces, and sometimes even without butter. Sometimes there was butter. That was a big treat. I always love French bread with lots of butter to make up for those years, you know. I go just lay it on. I don't care what the doctor says. And I'm healthy and I'm 80 years old and I won't die till I'm a hundred. So there you go. Anyway, don't don't imitate me. But uh, the fact is that the promises of God kept us going cheerfully. We sang like crazy. You thought we were rich the way we would sing hymns all the time. But the verses that kept us alive, one of them to me personally, was "Father to the fatherless." And a protector of widows is God in His holy tabernacle. I love that one, man. Can't take it away from me. Father to the fatherless. I was a fatherless boy. Well, I had a father, but he was gone before I could talk to him practically. I was 10 when he died. And protector of widows. Widows includes divorcees who are abandoned by a faithless husband or a brood. Of. And for the Lord promises... I'm a father to you as a fatherless kid. I bet you, there's several of you here today who could call yourselves fatherless kids. He is your father. I'm a father to the fatherless. And he's better than any human father. And a protector of widows. And God protected our family. I've got to tell you, he did. And he provided everything we need. needed. But we first went through total poverty, I think, to teach me as I grew up, and my sisters and my little brother, who's not little anymore, but, uh, you know, to appreciate what poverty is like and what the poor are like and what it feels like. God hates poverty, you know. He wants people to live a good life. That's in the Bible. I didn't invent it. And then the other verse that got me. And you gotta know the promises. If you don't know them, you are on your own, man. And it ain't any fun to be on your own when troubles hit and your heart is broken. The other one is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Every word counts. Take it seriously. In all these things, God speaks through His Word and through His Spirit. You don't invent and manufacture things from God. Take it from God's Word. And you know, when the Lord says that, uh, when, when, you, when you go through life, you begin to realize He truly does bind the brokenhearted. But then... There might be one or two of you, perhaps, like this gentleman who walked in for the first time this morning, Mark. I wish I'd have gotten his last name, but he'll be back, he said. And real handsome, well, not handsome, but, you yeah, nice guy. And uh, you may be here today and you say, Okay, I happen to not be all that brokenhearted, but I do feel spiritually lost. Well, you've come to the right place if you meet Jesus Christ. Because he said... I came to seek and to save those who were lost. And if today you feel, Luis, I'm lost. My mind, I don't know whether there's a God or no God. or You know, I i just don't have a sense of guidance. I don't know where I'm going. I just am looking and searching and I read and I watch TV and CNN has a thing on Jesus. But who knows if it's true? I have no idea. And uh, you're lost. Come to Christ. He specializes. He came specifically, he said it repeatedly, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. These two people that we read about in Luke, the dad was lost, desperate. My little girl is dying. Come, Jesus, come. Come to my home. Jesus said, don't you give up. Trust me, I will act for you. And sure enough, he goes to the house and raises the little girl from the dead. And the poor old lady who had this bleeding thing, She touches the edge of his garment and says, if I touch him, I'll be healed. And sure enough, she touched him and she was healed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whose resurrection we're going to specially celebrate in Easter, is alive today. And he's knocking at the door of your heart and saying, man, give me your heart. Let me come in. I'll rescue you from lostness i'll give you direction i'll show you the way you will have hope again and reality but you have to make your decision it isn't something that just sort of floats down and hits you you have to receive christ for yourself and this would be the perfect moment to do it right now if you invite him into your life he will come in and he'll come into your house and take over and begin to guide you like only he can do And he'll bind your broken heart, but he'll also get you out of lostness. But then the last thing is, Christ, it says in St. Peter chapter 1, Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous in place of the unrighteous to bring you to God. To bring you to God. If you are not near to God today, I'm going to ask you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you bow your head before Christ who's alive and bow your knee as a young man, as a young woman, as a boy. You may be nine years old, or you could be 12 like this little girl, and the seven-year-old girl who says she's going to get baptized. Whatever your age, you may be a middle-aged woman or an old guy, but if you've never invited Christ into your heart, this is the moment to do it. And so in a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And open your heart and say, oh, Lord Jesus, you know my broken heart. You know how lost I feel, how lost I am, really. And I want you to bring me to God. And that's why he died on the cross. And that's why he rose from the dead. And that's why he says to you today, my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And he will bless you and guide you, and forgive you, and be part of your life, whatever hell the world may thrust at you, whatever troubles may hit you, but you will have the Son of God in your life to give you the power that you're looking for. So let's bow before God, all of us right now. Either physically or figuratively, you may want to bow your knees and surrender to Jesus Christ even physically, but spiritually is what really counts. And if you've never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, let me guide you in a prayer. And if you feel it in your soul, you pray to Him this prayer. I'll guide you phrase by phrase. And if you feel it in your soul, you pray along to Him, and He will hear you. And answer you. And come into your heart today. He'll bring you to God today. And then when he comes back in the future. Then our bodies will join us. And we will all be in the presence of Christ. First I'll lead a prayer for those who are broken hearted. And then a prayer for those who feel lost. And who want to come to God. Pray with me. Oh God my Father. Thank you that you bind the broken-hearted. You know my pain, O God. How I weep sometimes at night. How lonely I feel at times, O God. The troubles are sometimes beyond my power. But I thank you Lord Jesus Christ You are the Savior of the world You bind my broken heart Thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me Even though loved ones may You never do And so Lord Jesus I bow the knee to you You're my God You're my Lord You're my Savior I trust you Lord Jesus Christ I believe you And I will obey you Fill my life Lord Jesus And make me a blessing even to those who have hurt me and offended. And now for those of you who want to receive Christ in your heart, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to You. I surrender my life now. I surrender my future Take over my life today, Lord Jesus. Fill my mind and my heart with your thoughts. Fill me with your power, O Holy Spirit. And make my life a life that honors you. O Lord Jesus, thank you. That you the living God now live in my heart and I'm yours forever. And one day in heaven I'll see you face to face and I'll fall at your feet to worship you because you've been so good to me. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. If you need to talk to someone and have a little prayer, that would be good. Some of the pastors and others will be up front. If you open your heart to Christ this morning, did some of you open your heart to Christ today? Any of you? Raise your hand. Did any of you? Do? God bless you, sir. Wonderful. Anybody else? has given their life to Christ today. You too? God? Yes? Good. The Lord bless you. Uh, somebody I see. Yeah, God bless you, man. I think it's a girl or a young woman up there. I'm blind as well as deaf. Yes. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You know, when the minister dismisses us, perhaps you might want to come and chat with someone, or else the person who brought you, or a family member that you know already knows Christ, and tell them, at last I'm in, I'm in. I've opened my heart to Christ, you know. And that's a wonderful thing. And then, begin to get ready, and get baptized, and live for Christ, and get this past behind you, and live a new life. And if you're a believer going through a broken hearted thing, uh, the... um, The, uh, let's see, I had to write it down because I haven't been there The uh, Celebrate Recovery Group You might want to join that, depending on your situation I'm sorry I'm taking this time, Pastor But I thought I'd mention that Uh, Some people were telling me, you know uh, Some people don't like to go to Celebrate Recovery Because they think it means that you're a drunk or You know, just a drug addict And therefore you don't want to be seen with But you know, it can be, it doesn't have to be that And besides Jesus, you know, he doesn't reject people who are drunk and drug addicts. Actually, he wants to change them and bless them and fill them with a new life. So, if you want to, but you can talk to the pastors, what's best for you. Okay, thank you.